Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I'm so excited to be here. I was going over my notes this morning in my car and I was getting so into it that I kept missing the exit. So it's going to be a good morning in the house of God. Um, as Pastor Michael said, I've been here almost since the inception of uh, Awakened Church. I've been here for 17 years and I'm so excited to share with you some truths that I feel that God has given me. And he began to open my eyes to something I never really thought about that much before. But when I went to Israel, our church goes to Israel. I think we're going to do another trip in 2025. 20, uh, and um, when I was there, you know, the Bible comes alive in such a different way. And I was reading the book of Deuteronomy while I was there, which is written, most of it, to, to the chosen people, to Israel. So it's just a fascinating time. And when we were there, we had the opportunity to uh, have a tour guide who was in his probably mid to late 80s. Uh, he, an amazing man. Um, let me tell you, his age did not slow him down. Like all of us were like, you have no excuse. Keep running. He is too. Uh, so it was amazing. His name was Shraga. And then he also was part of the Israeli Defense Force. And he shared with us some unique perspectives from his experience. And I want to share one of them to you today because Israel right now, the chosen people, the Israelites, they've been surrounded by enemies. The, the threat of war is palpable. Uh, I actually had a unique experience to go with some of the defense force of Israel and have a day of training. I did not know that's what I was going to be doing. I thought they were going to show me a video. I didn't know I was going to experience combat. So it was quite shocking. I'll share those stories another day. Um, but it gave me such a perspective. And, and this is what uh, our tour guy said. He said, if the Arabs put down their guns, there will be peace. But if Israel puts down their guns, there will be no more Israel. And Israel is, even in current day, surrounded by nations that want to take them out. So they are on guard. They're in a constant state of potential war. And our tour guide shared with us about one particular war. It was the War of 1967, uh, as the Arabs came, the Muslims came against Israel. And in 1967, that six-day war, the attack uh, ended, and Israel won that war in six days. Israel defeated its enemy. Yep, they won the war which was awesome. But then he shared this, and this to me was very unexpected. This is, this is what happened. He said, uh, they won the war, but then Israel did something that no one expected. When the Israeli army captured the Temple, the temple Mount during that war, Eric Arkman and Ezra Orney, two Israeli paratroopers, climbed up the Dome of the Rock and hung the Israeli flag on top of it until Moshe Dayan and the Israel defense minister ordered it to be taken down. Now, that kind of makes no sense to me because they just won the war. Why would you not put the Israeli flag where everyone could see it? And he said, do you want to see the Middle East on fire? 
The, Israel, the Israeli government declared sovereignty over the Temple Mount, but in order to keep the peace, somebody say keep the peace, they handed over its management to a Muslim trust led by the Ministry of Religious Affairs and Trusts of Jordan, Israel's Muslim neighbor to the east. Surprisingly, the Orthodox Jews supported this decision. They allowed the mosque that was built on top of the Jewish temple to stay in the name of keeping the peace. In fact, the entire time I was there, we would hear about how they keep the peace. But something stood out to me because I felt like, there's no peace here. What do you mean you're keeping the peace? Of course everyone thought once they won that six-day war, the Israeli flag would go up. They would tear down the mosque and put up the temple. This is actually the very place where they believe the Holy of Holies was. This was the place where Abraham was poised to sacrifice Isaac. And instead of tearing down this mosque and building an altar, a temple, they let it stay. In fact, could you show those pictures of that mosque today? It's seen throughout Jerusalem. Beautiful, but my goodness, you'd think right at that moment they would tear that thing down and build the Jewish temple, but they compromised in order to keep the peace. And this is what I found as I was reading in Deuteronomy, that in the name of keeping the peace or in the name of compromise, sometimes we can disobey God and biblical truth. And it seems right, but could be very, very wrong when you read the Word of God. And this is what the Word of God says in Deuteronomy, and this is what I read when I was there. Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 8, to a chosen people, literally speaking to the Israelites, when the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and cast out many nations before you, the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Parasites and the Hittites. Don't worry, I'm Jewish. No, I'm, I am Jewish, but it's kind of funny that I can share the names. Okay, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them. Somebody say conquer them. And utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, no compromise, nor show mercy to them, nor shall you make marriages with them. You shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor take the daughters for your sons, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord was aroused against you and destroy you suddenly, but you shall deal with them. You shall destroy their altars and break down their sacred pillars and cut down their wooden images and burn their carved images with fire. Do you think that Jesus is trying to get the point across? Does that sound like compromise? Does that sound like leaving a mosque in one of the most holy places on the planet? The Bible says to utterly destroy, to take that stuff out. It says, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord God has chosen you to be a people for himself and a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people. The Israelites talk about this all the time. They're a small nation. It says, it says and then any other people, for you were the least of all people. 
but because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers. And then in verse 11, therefore, you shall keep the commandments, the statutes and the judgments, which I commanded you today to observe them. I began to really think about this concept and I thought, Wow, how amazing that a small, seemingly little compromise can cost us so big. And I began to think about not only the nation of Israel and literally um, what is happening, but then I also began to think about the state of our own lives and our own hearts. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells within you? So the New Testament fulfills the Old Testament, and now it says that we are now the temple of the Holy Ghost. So what in, exactly, good, you can give a cheer. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God lives in us. So I began to assess, is there areas in my own life where I've chosen compromise in the name of keeping the peace, but really what that has done is created some, some potential for war, some potential for conflict, some potential for torment on the inside, because the world promises peace. The devil, the evil of the world promises, they're telling us, if you just if you just minimize this, if you compromise this, you can have peace, but it's not true. I found once I read my Bible that it's completely unbiblical and disobedient to not do what God said to do. And that's why, in my opinion, there is a state of war. And I love Israel. And I love the nation, but the whole time I was there, I was saddened because I'm like, we disobey. There's a disobedience here. And so now they live for the potential of war at all times. Today, I want to address just a few areas of compromise that I feel are prevalent today because the world is trying to lull us in to their thought patterns that are not biblical truths. And instead of promising us big and delivering on those promises, it actually can hurt us and keep us in an area of torment and pain that we were never meant to live with. Does that make sense? All right. That was my intro. Are we doing okay? We're doing good? Take a deep breath. I know it's a lot to take in, but we're going to help to get some people set free today. It's going to be a good day. One of the areas that I felt God speaking to me about was in the area of misplaced mercy. I feel that in today's day and age, people are using misplaced mercy to rewrite biblical truths that give us a life that we were never meant to live. We've got to discern between mercy and truth and obedience and disobedience. So point number one, don't use misplaced mercy to avoid obedience to God. Now, I've heard it said like this, misplaced mercy or false mercy is this, an affection divorced from truth. Most people have a natural disposition to be tender towards others and want to, that to be reciprocated. However, to offer tenderness without an orientation to the truth or true can be very destructive. You know what I've learned? I've learned that we cannot compromise that we cannot repackage the Ten Commandments according to woke theology 
and expect our life to wind upward as the Bible promises. We cannot rewrite scripture. The New Testament fulfills the Old Testament. The Ten Commandments are still alive and well and are the guardrails of our faith that will help to keep us safe and secure and at peace. I feel like today, you know, the issue of, of social justice is oftentimes can just be misplaced mercy. Of course we can have compassion and we should have compassion, but that is different to misplaced mercy because misplaced mercy divorces itself from actual moral biblical truth. It can seem popular, it can sweep over the world, but I thank God for a Pastor Jurgen and Leanne that during 2020, when the whole world was swept up in all kinds of philosophies that were unbiblical, that we had leaders and pastors that were so courageous to live out the word of God and bring biblical truth to us, to bring real freedom. We cannot tamper with the Ten Commandments. We can't tamper with the do not murder. And I know this is a heavy topic, but I'm a simple kind of girl, and I felt God just break it down to me that these issues that the world tries to make so complex are not that complex when you read the Bible. Abortion, regardless of the most difficult of circumstance, is wrong. When you watch all these television shows sometimes, or even ministers being interviewed, I, I, I'm like... I, I, what is going on? It's, oh, each person, we have to travel through their story. Absolutely, that's how we walk out things with people. But you cannot ignore the biblical truth because if we do, then how do we heal from what was broken? I actually see that when we put mercy in its rightful place, there is healing from the word of God. And where real mercy is needed is when we break the commandments, when we've committed abortion or any other kind of sin that we can say, you know what, what I did was wrong. And let me tell you, I can say that because I've ministered to so many people that have been in those very difficult positions. And when they make that choice, that would be a difficult one. On the other side of it, they don't feel freedom. They feel shame. Why? Because it was a broken commandment. But here's where the truth and the mercy of God comes in, is when that person, when all of us face whatever sin we have committed, and we bring it before Jesus himself, then that's where we receive the real mercy of God, where he says, regardless of what you did, I will forgive you, and I will remember your sins no more. And when he does, he breaks off the shame that we do not have to live with. We don't have to live in torment of the things and history of things that we have done when God himself comes in and heals us of the hurt and the pain. Does that make sense today? So I have compassion and I have mercy, but in the right places, in the biblical truths, so that people can really be set free. How many have heard of us, the world likes to preach tolerance? It's a big buzzword. This is what tolerance means according to the Google Dictionary. Allow the existence, occurrence, or practice of something that one, that one does not necessarily like or agree with without interference. So the world preaches tolerance, which is what? You don't like it, you don't agree with it, but say nothing. You don't like it, you don't agree with it, do nothing. I find that completely different to the word of God. 
He's very clear on what to utterly destroy. He's quite strong in what is right and wrong and evil or not. And yet the world takes these concepts and tells us just to numb ourselves and do nothing about it. God has never set it up that way. He has set us to be completely set free. And I found it in the most little things too. Like for instance, um, about a month or two months ago, um, I um, met a guy and I'm currently single and we um, started to chat and he said that he uh, was a Christian, and he was in banking and investments, and he honestly was a good-looking guy, seemed to have his life together. He had a job. I'm like, wow, you're hitting the tick list. I don't have some outrageous thing that I'm looking for, but I am looking for someone who has a job, is a Christian, you know, and so I'm like, okay, okay, this is good, and so we kind of start to begin to get to know each other. And then I'm kind of just waiting the waters a little bit, and I'm like, okay, um, you know, he says he's a Christian. He says he's a Christian. So I want to know if he's a Christian. And so as we get to know each other, I felt like the time was right, and I said, okay, now you've mentioned you're a Christian. That's great. What church are you involved in? And he said, oh, Stacy, I just want to let you know that I am tolerant of all religions. Tolerant of all religions. And I respect all religions and, you know, whatever your religion you are, I'm happy to learn about it and you can, you know, practice whatever you want. I was like, what are we talking about? You said you were a Christian. I said I was a Christian. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. So I said, oh, yeah, okay, well, here's the thing. <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing. <laughs> At this stage of my life, I'm looking for someone who believes and receives and has a relationship with Jesus and lives out his life according to the Bible. And then, as soon as I mentioned the word Jesus and Bible, the so-called tolerant became very intolerant. He was enraged at my response. What are you talking about? And then continued to just uh, yell at me with all of these curse words and just awful. It was on a dime. He flipped the switch. Why? Because they preach tolerant, but only to the principles that they abide by, not to the spirit of the living God, Jesus Christ. That conversation ended quickly. I was like, and stop manifesting. It's annoying. <laughs> Listen, the tolerant break their own definition. Don't be endeared by false doctrine wrapped up in a suit called mercy. Point number two. Don't coexist. Thank you. Not always easy, but you sleep well when you do the right thing. <laughs> Point number two, don't coexist with unaddressed pain. Living with compromise hurts us and can eventually take us out if we don't address the root issue of the pain. Pain is a very real thing. 
it leads us into oftentimes all kinds of different areas of compromise. And as a Christian, I want to say this, I am not about pretending that pain doesn't exist. In fact, I believe the opposite, that when we discover that there is a pain that's going to begin to lead to an action, we have to actually follow the journey of where that pain started and allow the Holy Spirit to begin to minister to us and heal us from the original point of pain so that we could be totally and completely and fully set free. How many people know that Jesus did not die just to save us, to get us to heaven? He saved us so that we could be saved every day from every affliction, from every hurt, from every pain that we are living with on earth. That he says, no, you could bring heaven to earth on the inside of you when you're healed from the heart. Hollywood loves, oh, they love to manipulate truth. Hollywood loves this because it makes movies. It sells tabloids. And people see all over magazines and, you know, you can't walk by a grocery store without seeing so-and-so got married for the eighth time. So-and-so did. And it's celebrated. Oh, they're married for the eighth time. And then when they get divorced, like, oh, we knew it. Tell us all the dirty details. Why? Compromise. They're selling a bill of goods that is not good at all. Hollywood presents evil in a way that doesn't seem like evil. But we can't be duped into living under a curse instead of a blessing. We cannot forfeit biblical truth because it sounds nice. I watched a, a show. It was called um, Down to Earth. I don't know if anybody else has seen that show with Zac Efron. There was a docuseries some of us have. And it was uh, documentaries. And Zac Efron, kind of after the whole Hollywood gig, uh, realized there's got to be more to life. There's got to be more than what has been seen. And so he goes on this um, journey, and he takes a, a friend with him. His name was Darren Olean. And they go on this journey to try to solve world issues or bring us awareness around these issues. And I, as I watched it, my heart began to ache because I thought, oh, he's looking for truth. He's looking for meaning. He's looking for purpose. But sadly, he is looking to creation instead of the God of the creation. He is looking to heal the world with worldly means, and it doesn't work. And so I watched the episodes, and there was this one episode where he went to the backdrop of the jungle, I think it was in Peru, and he went to uh, this um, healing doctor, and, 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 and they promised that, that, you know what, you can go here, and it's like there's dark clouds that can lift off of you, and, and you can speak with, you know, members of your family who have passed away, and I'm watching this, and I'm going, don't do it, Zach, don't do it, they're not telling you the truth, you're not going to a healer, you're going to a witch doctor, you're going to a shaman, and they do talk to the dead, and they do operate in some prophecy, but they're operating by talking to devils and demons, not the Holy Ghost, not the one that is the healer. You're on the wrong side, my friend. And so he goes, and he goes with his friends, and Zac Efron uh, participated in some of the rituals, not all of them. His friend participated in all of it. He was like a superfoods guy, and like all the things, and he's like, I'm going to do all this. And I'm like, oh, Lord. And I actually looked him up, because I was like, it never goes 
well. They, they lie. This is not truth. And I looked him up, and while they were filming the episodes of the show, it says, oh, it was so unfortunate that that guy, uh, uh, his friend, while the filming of that show happened, his entire house burnt to the ground, and there was a series of horrendous things that had happened. Why? Because he opened himself up to an evil world of curses that do not bring healing and health and favor, but just the opposite. Hollywood does not deliver. The Bible does. The Bible works. It's real. And I say those things because of this, because it's taking the world by storm right now. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people that are involved in doing things like shrooms, marijuana, edibles, pot, ayahuasca, hallucinations. They call it plant medicine. And they're like, well, they're legal, so why not use them? Or I've heard this one. Oh, it enhances the spiritual, uh, our spiritual um, encounters. It enhances our spiritual experience. When was the last time Jesus Christ, miracle-working God, needed to enhance his own spiritual experience. I don't know about you, but when God says he's God, he can do some outrageous things. And he doesn't want us to dabble in. He doesn't want us to flirt with the things that can lead us to total destruction. Oh, it just starts with just an edible to sleep at night. It dulls the senses. Do you know what the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8? Be sober. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Those things can lead us into a world we never wanted to live, and I get it. Pain often will lead us to these places we never wanted to go if we go to, to, to the the. the not, not forfeit, the, um, what's that word? Oh, I forget it. Anyways, <laughs> counterfeit. I'm like, not forfeit, counterfeit. If we go to the counterfeit, why go to the counterfeit when we got the real thing? We don't need to go to those things. We can bring our pain to Jesus, leave it at the cross, invite him in and allow him to minister to us. That's why I love our recovery program so much. And I, I, I struggle with using the word recovery program. It's a discipleship program. What does it do? It takes the stories that have been kept in silence where the devil has told us to not speak about those things and it brings it to light with people that love us, that are living according to the biblical word of God and helps to set us free. The Bible said it is by his blood and the word of our testimony that we are set free. My last point is this. Don't put your godly defenses down. Don't put your godly defenses down. 1 Peter 5, 7, and 8. Be sober, well-balanced, and self-disciplined. Be alert and cautious at all times. That enemy of your horse, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, fiercely hungry, seeking someone to devour, but resist. Here we go. Verse 9. Are you guys ready? But... So yes, the enemy is at work. Yes, he's trying to dull down our senses. But, what is the Bible? But resist him. We've been given the recipe, but resist him. Be firm in your faith against his attack, against his onset. Do you know what I find? I find the way the devil comes in the area of compromise, because some of us may think, well, you know, I didn't go to a witch doctor. I'm not, you know, involved in these big, heavy things that she's talking about. But for me, I had to look at my own life. What are 
any area of compromise? What is the little and the big that I've become susceptible to? And you know what I've found? That often it's in our thought life. That often it's just a seed from the devil that is not true, that tries to plant itself in our head. But the Bible says, oh, yes, all these thoughts may come to us, good ones and evil ones. And if an evil thought comes to us, how beautiful that God did not create robots, but he, he created conscious thinkers. That when that thought comes, your life is hopeless. When that thought comes and said, he's done it for everybody but not for me. When that thought comes and, and, and says, just stay silent, don't tell anyone about this. When that thought comes, we can go no and reject it. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We can reject the enemy's plans and we can receive of our Savior. And here's the thing. I heard a song and, and, and I felt like it really captured the enemy's tactics. I thought, my goodness, whenever anything goes viral, you have to step back and go, of what spirit is it? Is that a God spirit or an evil spirit? Because when something is carried and sweeps the world over, you got to take yourself out and look from 50,000 feet and go, what spirit is it of? Is it a revival spirit, awakened church, thank you, Jesus? Or is it, a, is it, is it an enemy thought? Is it an evil spirit? Because that's often how the enemy works. So when it sweeps the world over, and I, I saw this, uh, I heard this song, and it was written by, it was Simon and Garfunkel, written by Paul Simon in 1964. The song was released, and it's called The Sound of Silence. And then a band called Disturbed, Disturbed, released it in 2015, this version has 905 million views currently on YouTube. And do you know what it does? It perfectly describes the evil tactics of what the devil is trying to get us to live in the counterfeit. And I'm going to play the song, and I want you to read the words. Don't let it seep into your heart and soul, but instead so that we are aware of the devil's tactics so that we can resist and stand against. Can you play that song?
It is disturbing. That's what the devil does. Did you hear it in the song? Teach us. How dare the world try? The Bible teaches us. Jesus' word teaches us. And how horrible that, you know, you saw in the songs that the devil plants seeds while we're sleeping. And what it's saying is when our defenses are down. What it's saying is when we've been hurt and we've been in pain, that's when the devil, who doesn't play rightly, who is a dirty dog. Actually, I love my dog, so he's worse than that. He doesn't even deserve that title. He doesn't play fair, does he? He preys on bad things happening to good people because the Bible doesn't promise us a life of rainbows and butterflies. It says that evil, hard times will come. They come to the good and the bad. But you know what the big difference is? How we as Christians can respond. We don't have to stay duped by the devil. We instead can have our defenses up. We can walk and be aware, not afraid. I don't live in fear of the devil. Why? Because I know he's already been defeated. I'm like, you defeated little, what are you doing? I reject you, you evil thought. You leave in the name of Jesus. It's that simple. It's not that complex. It's when that seed, that thought tries to implant itself that we say, no. We have the ability in the way that God designed us to consciously resist the devil and receive from God himself. And here's the thing. When we have experienced pain, why do people use drugs? Why do we go to the counterfeit? Because we're hurt. We're in pain. I get that. But what if? What if in that moment, instead of pretending it's not there, Instead of trying to stuff it down like it didn't happen. No, I think Christians are robust. I think that Christians are very robust people. And instead we allow that pain to come forward. And we're going to go, I see you. And in fact, I want to see where you came from. When did this first start? When did the cycle happen? What happened in my family life? What happened in my childhood? I want to address what happened from the root. And so does Jesus. He wants to heal us from that pace. And I know a little something about pain. In physical pain, I remember just a, just a little while ago, I, a, a couple years ago, I started having this pain in my right foot, and it was so annoying. And, but instead of doing like the Bible and being cautiously aware and going, okay, I'm going to address that right now, I'm like, oh, my gosh, it only happens once in a while. So I ignored it. Then I kept going, and it kept getting more annoying and I kept being more in pain, then it got to the point where when I would do what I love, which is going on walks and hikes, within about a mile in, oh my goodness, this pain in my foot would start to shoot this, this pain all the way up my leg. I'd have to tear my sneaker off of my foot. 
ridiculous. Then it got worse than that. Then they told me you can't wear heels. Excuse me? I am too young to not wear the shoes I would like to wear. And so that got me over the edge. I'm <laughs> like, I need to address this issue. <laughs> and it really did get to that point where literally my, I was in so much pain all of the time. And um, finally, I went to a specialist. I had gone to some doctors before. I was misdiagnosed. But how many people know? We as Christians are fighters. And sometimes we don't take the first word as gospel. We bring it to the healer. And I went, no, nope, there's something really wrong. Finally, I went to a specialist, and she did all the things, the MRIs, the things, and she said, oh, Stacy, you have Morton's neuroma. I'm like, who's Morton? What did I do to him? <laughs> Kidding. But I'm like, what? What is that? And she's like, literally, you have a nerve that has come forward between your two toes. And any time your two toes touch, it shoots pain all the way up your body, makes your whole leg and your foot go numb. You've got to be one of the most tolerant people of pain I've ever met with. She said, I don't even know. Yours is so bad. I don't even know how you're walking at all. And now I'm super annoyed because she used words that I do not like. Now can I not only not wear heels, I am tolerant. How dare you? And I said, okay, what do we need to do? And she said, you're going to go in for surgery. And sometimes, my friends, I went into that surgery. It got removed. I came back out. I healed. I healed completely. I can wear whatever shoes I want to use. I can walk. I don't have to have that pain. But you know what I realized, both in physical, natural pain, you know what's even worse is the pain of the heart. And some of us have done like what I did in the natural. We ignore, we ignore, pretend it didn't happen. We don't want to know why it happened. We stuff it down. But sometimes, my friend, on a day like today, we need to go to a specialist. We need to go to the creator of the universe and the creator of you and I and go, where did that pain first begin? And allow the great surgeon, the comforter, come and heal those areas of our heart that have kept us in bondage and in pain from the things that God has told us we can be free from. And my friends, us like the state of Israel, we don't need to live surrounded by the enemy we can instead take out the enemy when we do and live by God's principles and his truths. So today, we're going to spend time in that place. I'm going to ask everybody just to stand to their feet. After the, the first service, I was talking to a guy outside and uh, outside of these doors, <laughs> and he said this. He said, oh, my gosh, your message, that was so great. And he said, do you know that even the word coexist still ends with the cross. And if you think about it, that word coexist ends with the T. What does that look like? The cross. So the world can make up whatever lie it wants. It can preach its gospel, but the truth of the living Savior, it will all be brought to the cross. Oh, the truth will come out and the truth will set us free. And the Bible says that 
Let's close our eyes. What areas of our life have we compromised in? What unhealthy relationships have God said, no, no, no more. That friendship, not good for you. That area of compromise, that addiction, that seemingly small, insignificant dabbling with medicinal plant that can lead us to full-blown addiction that's dulling our senses. I speak about those things because they're real and they're happening, and there's a better way to live. No substitute will suffice. God himself is enough. Deuteronomy 30, 19 through 20 says, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, that both you and your descendants may live that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and may you cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land with the Lord swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. Why don't you just close your eyes right now, and if you would say, Stacy, you're right. I need to be saved, and not just saved as in get to heaven, but allow Jesus to save me in that way, to come in and fill all the areas of brokenness and pain and bring me liberation and freedom so that we can bring heaven to earth on a daily time frame. If you're in this place and you're like, you know what, I want to know Jesus in that way, would you just raise your hand to heaven? I want to pray with you. I see that hand. Awesome. That's you. I see that hand on my right. Awesome. Beautiful. I see that other hand upper right. Beautiful. I see those hands right over here on my left. Wonderful. I see those hands on the front. Wonderful. Wonderful. God wants to set us free. This is a good thing. Us recognizing the fact that we need and want our Savior is a very good thing. And it will shift and change our life forever. You can put your hands down. Now, if, if you're also here and you're like, you know what? I've been dabbling in some areas of compromise in my own life, and it's time. It's time to bring them before Jesus. I want to pray for you too. Do I have some of those people in the house today? Could you just raise your hand? I want to see who I'm praying for. Yeah, a whole bunch of us. Makes sense. A lot of us, sometime or another in our life, we're all dealing with these things, and we just need to bring them before Jesus. If you're in one of those two groups of people, I want to do this right now. I want to invite you to the front because I want to pray with you. I want to look into your beautiful eyes, and I want to see as Jesus comes in and liberates you and sets you free. So if you are in any of those two groups, would you just begin to make your way forward to the altar? We're going to pray together today. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Just come on out. I saw that big group up there. You can come on out. We're just going to pray. We're just going to pray. This is the altar. It's where lives are altered. This is a place where freedom reigns. This is a place where we get set free. This is a place where the Holy Spirit is. Come on, just keep coming out. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. There are many times in our life where we need to give ourselves over to Jesus afresh and anew. There's many times in our life where we need to come before our Savior and say, save me again. And that is nothing to be ashamed about. It's everything to be bold of faith. I remember one time in my life, I, I, wanted, I wanted prayer. I went through an entire freedom conference. 
This was years ago, and we had someone come in and speaking. They were speaking on deliverance and freedom in all these different areas of our life. And, and I was so busy doing and being that I realized through the conference that I never made my way to the altar. And I knew there were things that I needed to be free from. So I happened to be sitting on the front row next to the, the minister that was speaking. And I said, hey, whatever your next call is, I'm going forward to hold myself accountable. And I knew if I didn't say it, maybe I wouldn't do it. So I was like, I'm, I'm going to do that. <laughs> he got this grin on his face. And he said, Stacy, that's wonderful. Um, the next altar call is for um, soul ties and sexual freedom. And I was like, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> The single pastor coming forward. <laughs> you know what? I didn't care who watched. And I didn't care what anybody looked like on the outside. I wanted to be free that day. So I made my way to that altar. And I didn't care about what people thought. I cared about what he thought about me. I cared more about my freedom than the opinion of man. I care about the opinion of almighty God. So I'm going to give you just one more opportunity. I want you just to make your way forward. And for all of us, let's just begin to raise our hands to the heavens. Beautiful. Just raise your hands, everyone. And those of us in our seats, I'm sure all of us have different areas of our life that we can apply this message to. And it's time to let go of the compromise and instead stand on biblical truth. So what we're going to do in this place right now, we're going to all raise our hands to heaven. Raising our hands is a sign of surrender. Not my way, not my will, but his be done. So we are surrendering to the miraculous power of the living God that shifts and transforms our life. And I'm so proud of all of you on this altar and those of you that are in your seats. Right now we're going to pray together and we're going to receive of Jesus our Savior. And then we're going to continue to pray and we're going to break off some of that stuff that we've been dabbling in. Because you know what? If we've been operating under a curse or we came into connection with the curse, we can break that thing. And we can live under blessing. And then we can make some shifts in our mind and our heart and our life and begin to change our ways. That's what actual forgiveness actually is. It's a 180 degree change. It's turning from what I used to do and be to who God made me to be. And when we fall, we go to Jesus and he picks us up again. I found the Christian walk, all it is, is running to Jesus every chance we get. And he heals us there. So let's all pray this prayer together. God, come on, let me hear you. God, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins, all my sins past, present, and future. And I thank you, Jesus, for resurrecting three days later with resurrection power. And I thank you, Jesus, for sending me the Holy Spirit to be with me always, to help me always, to bring freedom always. I thank you that I am a walking miracle. In Jesus' name I pray. 
Amen. Now begin to lift your hands to heaven. Let's praise our God. Glory to you, God. We praise you. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Jesus. Lord, that we are saved and we'll have an eternity with you, but we thank you that we are saved in the here and now from all the works of the evil one. And in the name of Jesus, I want you just to begin right now to picture what is that thing you've been dabbling with? What is that area of compromise? We all know what our own is. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but oh, what a Savior he is. And all of us, let's picture that area of compromise and go, you know what, I'm going to make a decision today, no more. And I'm not going to try to get out of this in my own strength because it doesn't work and it only takes us so far. But instead, I'm going to invite Jesus in. I want you to picture that area of life. I want to picture, even if it's a person that you need to forgive. And forgiveness isn't, isn't the fact that they were wrong or right. It's just it liberates us and gives us healing. Let God be a very good judge. He's good at his job. I don't want to be the judge. I want to let God be the judge. And I want me to be set free. So I want to picture that vice that compromise, that person. And I want you symbolically in your own mind's eye to picture yourself bringing that to the feet of Jesus. What does Jesus look like? Oh, he's beautiful. He's wonderful. What does it look like to bring your sorrow and your pain and your grief and all the wrongdoings and all the things? Just bring it to the feet of Jesus. And I want you to picture yourself just leaving it there. You don't have to take it with you. You don't have to hold on to the shame or the heartache. God doesn't erase what happened, but he can heal our pain from it. Thank you, Jesus. We welcome your Holy Spirit here right now, illuminating to every heart and mind. And now, right now, we're going to pray, and we're going to bind and break the works of the enemy. And here's the thing. I want you to rise up in your own prayer language and the way that you pray and begin to reject and tell that thing to leave. Because you know what? After today, I might not be there with you. When you're on your bed at night and you've cried the last tear that you can cry, I won't be there, but Jesus is. And in those moments, you can reject the lies of the devil, and you can accept Jesus and let him minister to you. So right now, in the name of Jesus, we bind and we break the work of the enemy. In the name of Jesus, we come against all of those curses. In the name of Jesus, we come against witchcraft and tarot cards and witch doctors and drugs and evil spirits that have been allowed in our lives. And we say no more. In the name of Jesus, we break off addiction. We break off vices in the name of Jesus. We break the power of the enemy against us. In the name of Jesus, we bind. We loose those cords in the name of Jesus. And I see like these ropes that have been around people, some for years, some new. And I see them being, I've never seen this before. I saw God light a match. He lit a match. He burned that stuff so you can't even see it anymore. And I see us being released and loose from that cord. The Bible says when we bring these things to him, he makes us to be as white as snow. Purity is restored in the name of Jesus. Lord, we receive of your spirit. 
And we thank you that you have blanketed us, that you have covered us and our mess with you. That's what you did when you took the keys of the kingdom back. Lord, I thank you right now for the blessed assurance that Jesus is mine. He's not just everyone's, though he is, he's mine. He is yours. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just minister your healing anointing right now, these beautiful people. Lord, I thank you. Shift and change forever. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that, that we're two or more gathered. You're in our mix. Lord, I thank you right now, God, for releasing your power, releasing your anointing, and the devil thought he had you. Oh, but he was mistaken and in a big way. And I see both of you rising up as pillars in the faith. I see the tactics that the devil tried. And let me tell you, you will crush him. You will crush him. And then he was so scared. That's why he threw all that stuff at you guys, because he knew you'd be powerhouses. He knew if you got a hold of the truth that you'd be unstoppable. Well, it didn't work. It didn't work. Lord, we thank you for these lives right now, oh God. We thank you for the power of your spirit to rest upon them. In the name of Jesus, we thank you that you are filling them up afresh and anew, oh God. Lord, we thank you right now for breakthrough in the name of Jesus. Pour out your spirit, oh God. Pour out your anointing. I'm going to ask the ministers to come forward. And, and if you feel like, you know what, I just need somebody to stand with me in any area of your life. They are there to stand with you. They are there to pray with you and to help you in your journey of freedom. So come on, let's give a mighty hand and a mighty clap to Jesus, our Savior, our liberator, in the name of Jesus. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already, and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.